You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about associates sulk in the room i have rob hey what's up and sean hi and on the line i have kyle nude spoons <laughs> sulk is the second studio album by the scottish pop band the associates it was released on the 14th of may 1982 on their own associates imprint of beggars banquet records for the uk and throughout the rest of europe on a wea records and in the u.s on uh, the 4th of October on Sire Records. The producer was The Associates and Mike Hedges. The genre is synth pop, post punk, and art rock. I'm going to read from the book George DeBlau. By covering David Bowie's Boys Keep Swinging for their debut single and touring with The Cure, The Associates whetted appetites for their 1982 masterpiece, Sulk. This was clearly a band working to its own agenda. Was it pop, art rock, or glam rock? In fact, the associates were a little bit of all these and more. Ten tracks listed here are those of the original UK release. In the United States, they appeared in a different order with extra tracks added. The result was a good album, but quite a different one. The associates had two major assets in their favor. First, the lovely awkwardness of Billy McKenzie's voice, and the second, the crafted soundscapes developed by multi-instrumentalist Alan Rankin. From the Human League-esque opener, Arrogance Gave Him Up, this was the band's defining statement. Party Fears 2 provided a defining demonstration of the band's intelligence and intuitive songwriting talent and gave them their highest UK chart placing at number 9. The album became one of the most influential albums of the 1980s synth-pop, containing seeds that would later flower in the works of numerous other bands, including Duran Duran. Just a glimpse at the cover artwork is enough to confirm that the associates... We're setting the tone of that exotic, indulgent, and ultimately self-pairing decade. All right, what do we think of this? Associates, Salt. I thought this record was fucking fantastic. Yeah, man, I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was incredibly surprised. I had never heard of the Associates uh, before never, uh, never. a couple weeks ago when we uh, came across this. And yeah, Same. man, like, holy smokes, uh, this is a uh, th- this is that thing that we were talking about. Like, well. Like synth pop just kind of sounds boring mm-hmm. unless like it's adding something to the genre. This one hundred percent adds something to the genre. It took a took me a minute. Same. Yeah, it took me a few listens. Let's let's be honest. Um, the first half sounded like I don't know if I need more music that sounds like this, but by the second half, I was completely sold. Sure. Yeah. It had these like weird beats. That were constructed beats, almost like we're going to get into some like Aphex Tent Twin and like, here we go, overlapping beats. 
in these weird times signatures that felt very unique mm-hmm. for synth first track. Yeah. yeah, the first track comes at you and it it almost sounds off. You know yeah. something's a little strange, and that really, after I started listening and kept listening to this, I was like, okay, this band is definitely not just standing with the other synth pop, but we've been inundated with British synth pop for mm-hmm. it's a, been a nightmare a couple <laughs> weeks now, and it's kind of like everything in the kitchen sink of synth pop. Yeah, so. This I, one was good, though. Yeah. I, I thought, um, you know, a few episodes ago when we talked about the birthday party, I mentioned that there was some Scott Walker influence, and I feel like there is also a lot of Scott Walker in this record. Like, the later, you know, post-Walker Brothers, like, scary stuff, is there's a lot of that here. And, you know, like, some swans kind of feeling, too, at some certain points. Oh, yeah. Swans. Yeah. I'm feeling a lot of sparks in this. Are you? Like, dark sparks? Yeah. Dark sparks and just, like, regular, like, jingly, jingly sparks. On at least two of these tracks, I wrote, like, getting sparks really? vibes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, the Scottish jangle, I think, adds a lot of sparks feeling. I uh, think it's why Scottish, or why sparks were mistaken for British so much, because the jangle's there. Yeah, I got uh, Nude Spoons uh, sparks vibes and uh, country cl- or Club Country. Uh, that was my Also favorite. serious sparks vibes. Huh. I love Club okay. Country. Yeah. I want that 12-inch, if anybody sees that. It's mine. I'll keep, I'll keep mine also. Who was the other Scottish band we did recently? Orange Juice? Uh, oh. I wasn't here for that, but Orange Juice yeah. is Scottish. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, yeah. what's his name? Yeah. Edwin Collins. Edwin Collins, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that first track, I was like, this is interesting. It sounds like a malfunctioning drum machine. That second track, the first line, tore my hair out from the roots, planted them in someone's garden. I was yeah. like, ooh. Yeah. What? <laughs> There's big Susie and the Banshees energy on this too. Yeah, Cure. Yeah, Susie, mm-hmm. yeah. Got the the bassist from the Cure. Uh-huh. Yeah, man, he's yeah. he's pulling his fucking weight too. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he's doing a good job. Yeah, we got Baptist Bap in our that our, song. Our, 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 Blew our me away. I was surprised. Yeah. What are we uh, talking about, Baptist Bap? What do we think? Yeah, they uh they replaced all of the uh, toms on the uh, the kit with snare drums. Which is why you get the sound like uh, they're just like different tuned snares. There's no, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no toms. It's I fucking listen- awesome. I was listening to it and I was like, what the hell is this about? And then I just stopped caring. <laughs> it just feels good. <laughs> it's also four minutes and 20 seconds long. He, I don't know what that means. I don't either. He said that a lot of the, um, they wanted the songs to be interpreted different ways. So they had a little bit of obscure lyrics so mm-hmm. that you could you could kind of make your own interpretations for a lot of things. I appreciate that. Or maybe he was just, you know, high and he was just like, well, he was definitely high. Yeah. Newt Spoons euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) And Newt Spoons was about a bad acid trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They uh, they somehow finagled uh, sixty six thousand sixty six thousand dollar or not dollar uh, pound 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 sterling advance for this record of which the record itself cost 33,000 pounds. And so the rest of it was spent on drugs, uh, spent on putting themselves up in hotels, uh, with one of their dog, like one of them brought their dogs and, uh, only fed it like, uh, kippers or whatever. Smoked (laughs) salmon. Smoked salmon. Thank you. From the, uh, Room service. Room service. Wow, that is they big fancy Scottish man. Yes, they filled a guitar with urine, and they also <laughs> filled a bunch of drums with water to see what it would sound like. Let's see what this sounds like. <laughs> they really explored the room. Like, what is with wrong the with boys? 
Like, left their own devices. They just do all this disgusting stuff. You have to answer for them. <laughs> I would totally feed my dog a uh, smoke <laughs> I feed my cat smoke salmon sometimes. I just... For, yeah, first sump pumps record, Rob peed inside his keyboard to see what it would sound like. <laughs> yeah. How'd it sound? Not, not so good. Wet? Yeah. About the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, too, that he was like, Bill would coax money out of the record company is kind of in a, you know mesmeric way he thought that more money owed them the more obligation on their part to make this work and get their investment back wow yeah i read that too that sounds like a psychopath (laughs) i mean at the same time like if it's a smaller label yeah kind (laughs) of like uh, this this has to work otherwise we're going broke right you know yeah um and luckily uh this record's awesome Imagine them advancing sixty thousand pounds for a band like based this. on I think based a on David some, Bowie cover that yeah. they did. Like after like that Bowie song hit, they were like, "All right, gonna go into the studio record this." There's a lot of Bowie in put this. Put it out. Oh, oh, oh yeah. most certainly. Yeah. Um, they must have like had somebody like vouch for them though. You know, it's somebody very else scary scene. monsters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, scary monsters. Good call. It is weird that we have all these Bowie adjacent, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> we could just have another Bowie album, <laughs> but there are already, what, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's hard to ask for that. No, I, I yeah, Bap de la Bap. Jeez. They said they had a, so many snares on the drum kit, including a seven-inch uh, metal snare, five-inch copper snare, and just like a nine-inch, like, ebony snare they just like brought in all these snares it really sounds like a beatles uh you know experience of just being like everything yeah bring it bring it all in let's figure it out yeah there's definitely you can tell there's a lot of layering going on yeah gloomy sunday has a real uh bowie vocal vibe Mm -hmm, i said the same yeah oh do you guys want to talk about gloomy sunday i would love to talk Mm -hmm. about gloomy sunday so that's a cover of an old hungarian song really i was not aware of that like a folk song? Well, yeah, apparently it was like an 1800s kind of song. And then um, somebody did a lyric refresh in like 1935. Wow. And that's kind of what this is based on. Yeah. I could see them being into like vaudeville type stuff. Because I, I mean, I feel like in the 80s there was a huge resurgence in that, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Taco and people like that. But I think New Wave and vaudeville kind of collided at certain points. And oh, like the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo? There you go. Yeah. The Hungarian... Uh, song is also called the hungarian suicide song cute <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a reoccurring uh urban legend that claims many people have committed suicide while listening to the song sorry I <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i just spit take it i wasn't even drinking anything <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> sound like a mouse sneezing random 
That's interesting. Well, yeah. I, I haven't killed myself yet, so. I'm, I'm good. I, I love yeah. I Is this think the beginning of a horror great. movie? See who dies first. Oh, we got to You listen to Gloomy oh. Sunday yeah, before and then we seven die. days no, that, later that, you get the, a phone uh, call. That, that's the suicide fact at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> one thousand and two episode is going to be just the sound of stools knocking over and ropes. <laughs> this is the be first awesome. I'm hearing of this. Um, I've done a handful of episodes with you guys, but I am in. Cool. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the vocals of this era have that big echo, mm-hmm. but he, I think they even stretch it even more. This is a church echo. There's some crooning here. Also, his fucking falsetto is on point. Pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this record. Yeah. Yeah. At first, it, it had a little. It was turning me off a little bit of that falsetto. It comes on real strong, and if you're not lo- looking for it, it uh, <laughs> definitely takes a minute. But you need to be ready. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect, I, and I did no research before I started listening to. It. I like started at first and then started reading about it. Um. I'm really surprised, though, that none of us have heard of this. They they aren't uh, known. Like, yeah. th- this is a this is a band that bands knew, uh, but they they never had a breakout hit in the states. Um, but I mean, like, I have like a close lobster station on Spotify. How come this band never showed up? Uh, well, skipping forward to uh, when Alan Rank Ranky. Thank you. Yep. Uh, killed himself. Like their entire catalog, like was out of print. Man. Like, and that was uh, that was like ninety seven, ninety eight, or something, and uh, slowly got built back up. So like, it just it it actually didn't exist for for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's back now, but yeah, like it just I don't know, never got uh, never got to our ears. What was their touring? Okay, so they played with the Cure, right? Yeah. But what was like their touring situation like? I mean, you know, because I, I have no concept of how long they were popular or like what their, you know, where they were the most successful. I mean, I imagine Scotland or something, but like, yeah, I'm curious about their story because I really didn't read much about that. I mean, they continued on to, it was like 2002, um, but they only had a handful of albums. I'm wondering if it's the label. I'm wondering if they, because they were on WEA. Mm-hmm. In this like beggars banquet slash associates label, and I'm wondering they were on Sire, I guess, in the U.S., which is they yeah, didn't get picked okay. up by Sire in the U.S. Though they like, just distributed the, no the, the album. like it was the I think it's the third record they said no we don't want this this isn't marketable but they took uh, I think Rinky's like did a Blondie cover and put that out as a single mm-hmm. um, but yeah they never uh, they just never. Never had a chance over here. I, I I'd be interested to hear what uh like the uh the British and Scottish dads have to say about this band and whether yeah. or not they knew about it. Yeah, they had a two thousand remaster in the UK and Canada. Same thing at twenty sixteen. So I think it's just like one of those bands that never, yeah. like people, you know, it's just they had never their time. The but, yeah. But, but kind of forgotten. I mean, I still wonder how much space there really was for them in that scene too, just because like the bands that did make it, you know, like there's so much on this that just sounds like Susie the Banshees. And if I have to choose one, I'm going to choose Susie, even though this is great. It also wasn't as commercial. I mean, these songs are his sort of crooning. It's, it's odd. Mm -hmm. It's an odd choice. And at that time, people want a very succinct human league. It also seems like they, they went from like kind of, they have like new wave post-punk, but then like, you know, that, uh, like club country just turns disco, mm-hmm. and I, I love that that they just like went backwards in time instead of, 
you know, going forward by the end of it. Um, and then also, since I was listening to this on Spotify, I kind of I kept going uh, past the track listing. And 18 Karat Love Affair was the next song. And by then I was so sold. I was like, this is super good, but it's actually not part of the original yeah. album. But it's, you know, an excellent dance jam. They, they proved themselves as a dance band, even though I didn't expect them to at the beginning of the record, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you might read about uh, them on top of the pops. Because it's, no, fan- it's fantastic. Uh, so they obviously they were kind of goofballs. I mean, they, they pee inside the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> but the group took the opportunity to subvert the family friendly nature program with its absurdist pranks on their second appearance performing Party Fears 2. Ricky uh, played the banjo while dressed in a fencing suit and wearing samurai makeup with chopsticks in his hair, while Mackenzie spent much of the song singing to the image of himself in the television monitors rather than to face the audience or the cameras. Lordy Bagordy. Wow. Uh, on their final Top of the Pops appearance, uh, Ricky had two chocolate guitars made by the London Department Store Herald's. Uh, which he played during their performance of 18 Karat Love Affair, one of which he broke up and gave to the audience members halfway through the song to eat. <laughs> These guys sound like a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, that could yeah. also be a reason that they... Like, they sound really annoying. Maybe maybe the label is like, you're not touring. Yeah. We're not doing this anymore. They're a risk. You're, a liability. You're 60 grand that you <laughs> fed your dog smoked salmon. Yeah, we're cut off. Yeah. Man, we just got to uh, skipping, and this is when Mike Dempsey starts shining as a uh, a, a bassist. Hell yeah. Oh, oh my like, god. Holy crap. Yeah, I just wrote down, oof, that bass riff. That's, all my, that's my only note. <laughs> this song to me is the one where you can tell they're a Scottish pop band. This sounds like a Scottish yeah. like sound to me. You're right. Yeah. It's the Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. <laughs> So you were you were talking about uh, party fears too. Uh, what do you guys think about that song? I thought it was okay. I, it so wasn't. I just wrote down that's a great pop song. Yeah, it didn't stand out to me as much as some of the others, but it's. I said I like the jaunty ending. It's it jaunty. Oh, I like that a bunch. I guess that was written in like '79. Oh wow! That was like an earlier one. They kind of dusted off for this record. It's better this way. Was the B side on that? Hmm. Which I thought that was, it's weird, always weird to me when there's um, the sort of like singles later in the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was a, a total hit. I really liked it. I, I, I thought it was uh, more angry than the other songs. Yeah. I'm just saying Party Fierce 2 into Club Country and then ending with that little goofball instrumental. Pretty cool way to end the record. Yeah, I'm glad you met, uh, brought that up to the the ordering. Did anybody listen to the U.S. version versus the U.K.? No. Oh, good. OK, I, I liked the fact that it was bookended by uh, two yeah. instrumentals. Yeah, y- that was cool. Yeah, I started listening to a uh, part of the U.S. And, and then I got into the U.K. version and 
it makes so much more sense <laughs> listening to the UK version. I have no idea why they uh, they decided to sort of break it up and in and change it that way. Maybe it's because uh, it's better this way in Party Fears 2 is uh, track one and two, and that those were the singles they were pushing, but I really feel like the UK um, sequencing is much stronger. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like the way the uh, the tracks went uh, from the, the Spotify, which was the UK, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, uh, just a... Not to beat a dead horse, but this sounds nothing like the synth pop contemporaries uh, that they were running around with were were doing. Like this is this is very this is original for for the the medium. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. There's a lot going on. It seems like just from what we've deduced here that the biggest problem was them. Like it seems like they may have shot themselves in the foot instead of following the path to great success. Yeah. Because there's no reason why this shouldn't be a huge hit. And we've all heard a lot of albums and nobody's heard of this. It's the salmon. It's... <laughs> it really it, it, is. It was probably the drugs more than the salmon. Um, and the pee-pee. Um, yeah, the drugs. The, definitely the drugs. Mm. Um, I know Ellen uh, uh, Rinky uh, went on to... Uh, he was a lecturer like at a college for, for music stuff. And uh, he was... Uh, that's, he had something to do with the uh, some kids starting a label that Bell and Sebastian ended mm. up on, and he did work on Tiger Milk. Cool. Paul Paul Morley of NME wrote like I think a great summation of the band. He says Salk deals with everything in its hectic, drifting way. There is an uninterruptible mix-up of cheap mystery, vague menace, solemn farce, serious struggle arrogant ingenuity, deep anxiety, brash irregularity, smooth endeavor. Sometimes Sulk is simply enormous, and then again it is fantastically unlikely. <laughs> I was like, that makes me think of this album for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like very vague, but right on point. Yeah. The hooks are weird. The Like, all of the hooks are like, they're they're not... They're not traditional pop hooks, but they, they they grab you with their their little synthy talons. I hear what you're saying. It kind of reminds me of like Prince compositions or something. Where yeah, they sound kind of weird, but there's there's an inherent logic to them. How did this perform? <laughs> like uh, oh. chart wise, like how, how did this record uh, do over in the UK? Uh, it was number nine. Party Fears Two uh, got a UK. It hit number nine, which was the. The highest they they ever got on the charts. So it did it did fine, but I think it was just probably, one of those things. Probably made the sixty six k back then. Yeah, I, yeah. Sulk was named album of the year in Melody Maker in nineteen eighty two. Placed number eighteen in the NME critics list of album of the year. So I mean, I think it was well received by critics. I just obviously we haven't heard of it, so it must not have been a smash hit. I mean, if I ever see it, I'm going to buy it. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Well, there's definitely that big reissue that came out. Oh, cool. I don't know how long ago. That was like 17 tracks or something. I don't want that. I just want the. Yeah, I'll take. A, you just want a them lo- looking jaunty on the. I would love it. I'm here I don't know. I've read reviews of the reissue, and apparently uh, some of the stuff that they added is better than the album tracks. Mm. All right. I, mean, I haven't given it a listen, but. 
Okay. Is a lot of it, uh, or are some of them just the uh, the tracks that the U.S. ended up putting on in lieu of stuff, or is it all? No, no. There's an like 18 karat love affair, which uh, Sean had mentioned earlier, is on there, and then there's you know like love hangover, and there are a couple of different instrumental of party fears too, and alternative versions of of different things, but um, no, they have like some demos and some other interesting stuff. All right, it's great though. This this album is is the the more I listen to it, the more I like it. I'm so glad everybody liked this record, too. Yeah, I know. I've been pretty negative about the synth pop that we've had. Yeah, Um, I know. Obviously, like orchestral maneuvers in the dark. I was pleasantly surprised. And some of the others. OMD blew my mind. But uh, this one just it feels like exactly what I want, which is I want Human League the the sort of pop sensibilities of Human League, but I just want it to stretch more. I do not want a bland pop el, you know, a bland pop band. I want something different. Agreed. Uh, how's everybody feel? Are we all in the positive? Yeah, do, I, very I'm, positive. Yeah. I'm, really, I'm really glad the record, or I'm really glad the book steered me to this record. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It happens sometimes. <laughs> we get there. All right, next time we'll be talking about Iron Maiden, The Number of the Beast. Woo! Right, thanks, y'all.